This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seibin, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. This is being posted on Christmas Day, so Merry Christmas to all of you who are celebrating. And, of course, uh, next week is the new year. Lots of fun around the holiday season. Hopefully you're able to take some time off and have some fun with your family and all your favorite tech gear. I wanted to first uh, thank all of our newest contributors to the channel, beginning with our tip jar contributors, Santa Renda and Tan S. Irvin. We also had some new monthly contributors, including a new gold level supporter, Stanley Taub, who is the inventor of the eye roller. They're an occasional sponsor here on the channel. Stanley, the inventor of that product, is a new gold level subscriber. So thank you, Stanley, for your support. Kenneth Greaves, Ethan Tabor, Jeff Morat, Brian Cotton, and we also got Billy Forrest and Kelvin Saggers making monthly contributions to the channel as well. I want to thank everyone who made a contribution this week and all of you who have been contributing on an ongoing basis, as well as all of you who have watched on an ongoing basis too, because this year was our best year yet, and it is due in part to everyone who's contributed, again, either by watching the channel or contributing or both, and I want to extend my appreciation to all of you uh, during this holiday season. Now, we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for a service that I am quite fond of, Audible, which you can find at lon.tv audible. They deliver audiobooks to you on a monthly basis, and they've got all the latest releases. And two books that I want to recommend fill in some plot holes of uh, the recent Star Wars films that have been coming out since Disney acquired them. Uh, the first one is Star Wars Bloodline, which tells Princess, now General Leia Organa's story from the time Return of the Jedi ended to uh, where The Force Awakens picks up the story of your favorite characters. It fills in a lot of gaps as to why she's with this ragtag group of resistance fighters and uh, why the Republic was kind of blind to the whole First Order rising up. Really good stuff. It covers a lot of the politics of uh, the New Republic past the Galactic Civil War and all the good stuff you've been wondering that happened over that time period. So uh, well recommended. And the other book is another backstory from the Star Wars universe, and that is Star Wars Catalyst, which tells the story of uh, Galen Erso, who is the father of Jin Erso. And Jin, of course, was the main character of Rogue One, where she goes out and grabs the Death Star plans. Well, her father uh, was the guy that wrote those plans and put in uh, some uh, things that the rebels could use to sabotage that uh, huge battle station. And it tells the story of uh, how he came about to design the Death Star in the first place. And what's great about this book is that it ends right where uh, Rogue One begins. So you can kind of figure out and understand why they were on that uh, moisture farm at the beginning of the film. I thought it was really great because I listened to that book leading up to the movie, and it was kind of cool to know a little bit more about these characters that I was watching in the main film because obviously they didn't have time uh, to give you all of that info in the movies themselves. And these books are exceptionally well-read. They almost play like radio plays. you got sound effects and music, and uh, the narrators make different voices for the different characters. And uh, really, really well done, high quality, definitely worth checking out at the link you see down below. So let's take a look at the week in review. I uploaded a couple of things to the Extras channel, mostly unboxings this week of the Mevo Plus 
an Amazon Echo Spot, and the Hyperblaster and Vive Tracker bundle for the HTC Vive VR. I'm looking forward to playing with that uh, hopefully later on this week. Uh, we also had three main reviews on the main channel, uh, the Amazon Echo Spot, an LG OLED TV, which I bought as my personal holiday gift to myself, and a low-cost Synology network-attached storage device that offers a lot of the features their more expensive ones do, and you can see what a low-end device gets you in that review, so all sorts of good stuff to catch up on. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 42 of me doing this as a full-time occupation, and I'm getting ready uh, for the big CES show. I'm going to take this hat off now. Uh, CES, in case you don't know, is a big consumer electronics trade show that takes place in Las Vegas every year. And this is like the thing that every single manufacturer goes to. And I always like to get out to it if I can. Uh, So we're going to be going again this year. Silicon Dust, the makers of the HD Home Run, have sponsored us too, which is great. So I were able to reduce some of our expenses a little bit there. And my plan is to do uh, largely what I did last year, which is post up a dispatch every evening of all the cool stuff that I saw at the show. And in addition to that, what I'll be doing is having Corey, who's our assistant producer here at the channel, uh, he's going to be working remotely from Connecticut. I'm going to be feeding him uh, all of the stuff that I'm doing from Vegas, and he's going to upload snippets to the Snippets channel of each of these things that we saw individually. Because what I noticed from last year was that the dispatches did very well among subscribers, but I wasn't picking up a lot of search traffic. Uh, Two years prior, when I went to the CES show, I think in 2014 or 2015, I uploaded like 45 videos to the channel, which overwhelmed the subscribers, but did well in search. So I wanted to try to get the best of both worlds here. So we're going to try out some uh, remote editing techniques that I've been working on uh, over the course of my uh, experience here on the channel and see how all of that works out. So stay tuned. CES stuff will be coming up very shortly, and we're going to be spending a lot of time uh, finding all the little hidden gems that might be at that show. So Uh, We had a lot of fun doing that last time, and I think we're uh, more experienced now for the next go-around. I also wanted to talk about my review of the OLED television set, because a lot of you liked the change of scenery, which was great. I shot it upstairs in my little home theater area up there, and it was fun to just get out of here for a little bit and change the scenery, and a lot of you liked that as well. And that was kind of a conversational review, because... Uh, Well, I know a lot about televisions. It's not my area of expertise, and I think the TV reviewers on YouTube and also just on the web in general uh, certainly do a better job of covering the technical merits of televisions, and I wanted to give you my uh, consumer experience with it. Uh, These are very hard videos for me to shoot and edit because my usual workflow is that I can start and stop recording from this keyboard here and kind of assemble the uh, video as I go for very quick editing. Uh, When I was upstairs, I didn't have that luxury because the camera was far away. I just let it roll, and I kept going through different takes. So uh, it took a lot more work to put that video together, but I think it did come out pretty nice, and a lot of you enjoyed watching that. So hopefully I'll have time to watch my new TV at some point, and I am looking forward to spending some time with it as uh, the holidays progress here. And now it's time for a couple of things in the news that caught my eye this week. The big story is something you may have heard about, uh, Apple slowing down their iPhones, and it's been long suspected, but they finally admitted to doing it. Uh, This after a group on Reddit found that older phones with older batteries were not performing as well as those same phones with newer batteries. And uh, Apple, for its part, said they have enabled this feature, which is what they call this, uh, because certain phones, when their batteries got to a certain age, uh, would shut down unexpectedly, and they were unable to meet some of the peak power demands. So when the batteries got to a certain age, uh, Apple has a feature that just makes the phone run slower overall. But... 
they never notified their customer that this is what the phone was doing. So everyone just assumed their phone was just obsolete and they probably went to the Apple store to get a new one as opposed to just getting a battery replacement, uh, which might have cost them less money and extended the longevity of their particular device. This is really bad practice and wrong. And I do think there was probably some Apple corporate level decision that said, hey, we'll make more money uh, getting somebody in the store to buy a new phone versus getting them in the store to have their battery swapped out. And this is what uh, Apple has been doing now over the last couple of years. And they even mentioned here that this feature, which is what they're calling this, uh, is being extended to the iPhone 7 now that it is reaching a point where their batteries on those phones might be hitting their uh, limits as well. And uh, there's a great page up actually on Apple's site that talks about uh, how these batteries work and about their lifespan. And basically on the iPhone, they're recommending that you can get about 500 full charge and discharge cycles before the battery begins exhibiting issues that might uh, lead to this sh uh, slowdown feature that they call it. And uh, ways you can prevent this from happening is to uh, not run your phone down all the time and then fully charge it back up again. Because every time you have 100% depletion and 100% charge on the battery, uh, that will count as a charge cycle. And what I usually do is uh, keep my phone plugged in during the day when I'm at my desk. I have now one of those wireless chargers so I can put the phone down on that to uh, kind of keep the phones hopped off so I'm not doing as much full discharge and charge cycles throughout the day. And uh, that will give you more battery life because you're not uh, draining the battery to zero and then recharging again. I may be going through 25% uh, of a cycle per day versus a full cycle per day, which then again extends the life of the battery. But again, what really gets me about this is that Apple is aware of uh, the health of the battery in their phone and they could easily just tell the consumer that hey, your battery is nearing its uh, end of life, you should get a new one. And I think when they looked at this from a corporate finance perspective, they realized, hey, if I go to the store and spend $79 for the uh, official battery upgrade on my phone, uh, they're making far less money because they've got a domestic worker here who's got to spend 25 minutes with my phone, you know, taking out the old battery and putting in the new one uh, versus selling me a box that they can import from China where labor is far less expensive and make a heck of a lot more margin on it. So I think this is clearly a business decision, which was not very consumer friendly. Uh, my hope is that Apple decides to notify the customer and give them the choice. Say, hey, your battery's getting old. Why don't you get it replaced? Or you could, of course, get a new phone if you want as well. But I do think a lot of people would opt to just get the battery upgraded because we're in a point now where phones have really hit their maturation point. We've looked at some features of uh, the iPhone 8 and 10 that work just as well on the 6S. Even that new fancy uh, AR feature works on the iPhone 6S from a number of years ago uh, because these phones have really hit a point where we're not seeing a lot of development here in mobile processors that uh, really make a difference for a lot of consumers. And I think Apple was fearful of that and said, hey, you know what, we have an opportunity here to uh, maybe direct customers, you know, silently to uh, get themselves a new phone, which I think, again, is really bad practice. I do expect that Apple is going to get a pretty decent-sized class action lawsuit over this. I think a lot of people who bought new phones because they felt their other phone was too slow uh, might see some restitution in this as well. This will probably cost Apple some money, but Apple has so much money in the bank. This is one of those things where they will uh, beg for forgiveness versus asking you for permission, although I do hope moving forward you are given some insight as to what the health of your battery is so that you as a consumer can make the right decision. Now, you can buy official Apple batteries pretty easily. If you want to do it yourself, I think you could probably probably do it for uh, maybe $25 or $30. 
Uh, our sponsor Pulse does it where they can come to your house and actually replace the battery uh, right where you are. So that's a pretty convenient thing and that costs a little less than the Apple store. So there are some options out there, but Apple should be giving consumers the information about their phone versus just slowing it down without telling anybody. Now, this next piece of news is a little more fun. And those of you who have been following me for a while know that I'm a big fan of this company, GPD. And they make all these niche little portable computers, including this Android device called the XD. I'm getting the new revision of this in very soon. It's a great little emulator handheld. Uh, They also make this thing called the GPD Pocket, which is a tiny laptop that can fit in your back pocket, but it runs the full version of Windows. And uh, they also have a, a gaming handheld running Windows. And it wasn't the fastest device because it was running with an Atom processor, but they are now upping the game with a a new one they call the GPD Win 2. And this is going to be a Windows gaming handheld that is powered by a Core M processor. And they posted up some uh, demo footage the other day of Grand Theft Auto V running relatively smoothly on it. They don't have frame rates posted here with the video, but Uh, From what I'm reading, they're uh, anticipating about 30 frames per second or so at 720p with your settings turned down. We're going to be getting one of these in to try it out. But uh, this is going to be an exciting little computer. It's not going to be cheap, though. It looks like the retail price on this is around $1,000. They do often get sold for less through uh, GearVest and some of these other sites on sale. So I think the end price might end up being around $700 or so. But pretty cool to be able to get a Core M device with a a real M2 solid-state drive built into it at a uh, little form factor like that. So I'm really eager to try this thing out. We'll be getting one in hopefully uh, not too long from now and seeing what it's all about. But I really need to see how these companies are finding these little niche areas where they can differentiate themselves. And GPD has done an exceptional job at that. So stay tuned for more. If you go to the link down below here on uh, the page here, GPD Win 2, Uh, You'll get all the technical details about what this machine is all about. And one of the things that I like about GPD is that they've been able to deliver what they promise, unlike many of these folks who have been trying to do Kickstarters with this kind of technology. uh, These folks can actually deliver something. So let's see what this is all about. We'll have one into review hopefully pretty soon. And now it's time for some Q&A from you, the viewers. We're going to talk about home theater stuff today. Uh, The first question here comes in from Ken Markert, who's wondering about my personal home theater setup. What am I running with, 5.1 or 7.1? I'm embarrassed to say that my home theater setup is not so great at the moment, uh, partly because I haven't had a lot of time to watch movies lately. But uh, I'm going to show you my upstairs setup first. So let's take it away and take a look at my uh, main setup in the bonus room above my garage. So a lot of you are curious about my current home theater setup, and surprisingly, it's not all that impressive at the moment. So this is a room that's above my garage. Uh, It's kind of a bonus room, and this is where I watch a lot of my movies from. So let me show you what I've got at the moment, and I do have ambitions to expand this. So my two front speakers are some speakers that my uh, wife's, my father-in-law gave to my wife a long time ago. These are JBL CF120s, and they sound great. So I have these two uh, in the front, and there's the other one over there. Uh, Over here is kind of my main collection of stuff. We've got the LG TV that I just put in. I haven't really been up here all that much because I've been so busy with the kids and the channel and everything. I don't watch a lot of movies anymore, but I am now more motivated to do an upgrade. Uh, So my receiver at the moment is a a RXV1800 from Yamaha. I got this probably now almost 10 years ago, and it's now sort of obsolete because it doesn't have HDMI 2.2 support or HDCP 2.2 support. So I can't actually watch anything through it uh, in 4K on my television. I've got my analog NT mini here for playing 
Uh, some of my retro games, then of course the NVIDIA Shield, which is driving about 80 or 90% of the media uh, that's coming across on the TV. I've got a Klipsch center channel speaker here. It sounds pretty good, actually. I'll pull off the little thing on the front here. Uh, this was a recent addition because the um, one that I had wasn't loud enough and I needed a new one for downstairs. So uh, what I did is I uh, picked up this one here. Let me just get the rest of the cover off of it here so you can see what it looks like. So uh, this is what the, uh, the little center channel speaker sounds like or looks like. And it sounds great, actually. I'm really quite pleased with this upgrade. I'll show you the downstairs one next. Uh, over here is something that no longer works with my television. This is my original Xbox 360 from about 11 years ago. That one only has component output, so it doesn't work with HDMI. So that one's kind of obsolete also. I got the Apple TV 4K here because I can play back stuff that I shoot with my phone on it. Below that is an Xbox uh, One, which I'm rearranging the bottom shelf here soon. So I did order an Xbox One S. Uh, which is going to go probably near that spot. I just put it there for now because I had it on the floor as I've been running back and forth between upstairs and downstairs. And then here is a Blu-ray player. This is a Panasonic. And I got this one because it has an SD card slot that used to be able to play uh, ABC HD movies from a camcorder. So that was why I went with that. Then in the back here, I've got a pair of Boston Acoustics VR20s. These are my uh, surround speakers. This is a 5.1 channel system at the moment. These should probably be in the back, but I have some weird space, space issues in this room right now. It's a bit of a disaster, and I'll explain why when I cut back into the studio. But I am going to redo everything soon, probably go to a 7.1 channel system, and uh, we'll probably get additional rear speakers and leave these where they are, because I believe in a 7-channel uh, system, you have these two uh, side-facing speakers and then two more in the back. Now, over here is my subwoofer. This is something from a company called Elemental Designs. They've since gone out of business, but for a short time, uh, a lot of home theater people were excited about them because they were very inexpensive. What they did is they uh, basically uh, assembled these things in their own factory here in the U.S. and sold them at a very low cost. This is a 200-watt subwoofer, 12-inch. It's downward firing, and it shakes the crap out of this room in a really good way. I really like a lot of uh, bass that you can feel, and this thing uh, provides it. You can see a little dark back here, but you can see what it looks like behind there. Um, really nice device here. Unfortunately, they became the victim of their own success and are now out of business, so if anything ever happens to this, I'll have to go... Uh, shop around for something else, but I really like that sub and it works out very nicely. But I do have to do some work here with this home theater system. I think getting that uh, new receiver that I need will really um, get me motivated to get the rest of the speakers set up properly. So that's my current setup. I'm actually kind of embarrassed to show it to you right now because I'm sure a lot of enthusiasts will be shaking their head at my configuration. But uh, for me, it sounds great. I'm really enjoying it. It looks great now with that new television. So it's finally getting to a point where I am uh, somewhat satisfied, but I do want to do some tweaking and install a true uh, 7.1 Atmos system where I've got the overhead speaker and the speakers off to the side and the back and everything else. So we're getting there. Hopefully I'll get around to it soon. That room though is a disaster. And what happened was my uh, second daughter was born uh, in 2016. And at that point in time, I was getting the basement redone and I was quitting my job and all this other stuff going on. So uh, basically all the stuff that was in my home office got moved into that room and I never cleaned it up. I've got just piles of gear and stuff. I just have to go through and 
Uh, things have been so busy here with the transition from the full-time job to this that not only have I not been able to watch movies, but I haven't been able to clean up that space yet. So before I do anything else, I've got to spend a good uh, couple of days up there just going through everything, getting rid of what I don't need, and finding a home for everything else. And it's just uh, been so crazy with the two young kids and this and everything else that I haven't gotten to it yet. So hopefully soon I'll get that room straightened up and get my home theater uh, into a better configuration. So I'll let you know when I do that. Now, I also have a secondary home theater space for the channel's purposes, which is right over there. So let's take a look at that. So let's take a look here from my desk where I shoot to our home theater nook over here. And you can see I've got uh, two rear speakers up here. A few years ago, I bought one of these Klipsch home theater kits in a box for another room in the house. And I've since relocated it down here. So when I had the electricians run all the wiring down here, I had them run uh, speaker wires from the rear channel speakers over here to uh, my television set back there. Now this is a 5.1 channel system like it is upstairs. I've got uh, this Yamaha receiver, this is like their low-end one that uh, still supports all the audio formats that I wanted. So this is the V, <coughs> the RX V381. I've always had good luck with these Yamaha receivers. So uh, when I look for my next one, I might look at one of those. But there's a Denon that I was looking at for upstairs that might work as well. I've got a, a Boston Acoustic Center Channel speaker here. This was the one I was using upstairs, but it wasn't loud enough for me. So it works great in this smaller space. And this TV stand is... Uh, the stand I had upstairs before I got my uh, larger set last year, which didn't fit on it. So this was a uh, great thing to have uh, available because when I uh, got the thing built down here, I was able to bring that down. Uh, this TV is a Samsung that I reviewed a little while ago. I think this is the 6300 maybe. Let's take a look on the back here. Uh, this is the Samsung uh, 55, the 55 inch 6300 F television. Really works out nicely down here, actually. This was something I got from the Amazon Prime Day sale uh, for a really good price. I'm very pleased with it. It is an LED set, but it looks great if you're uh, sitting directly in front of it. So that is uh, what we got there. I got another NVIDIA Shield here, which kind of runs the uh, media. And what's great is that I have everything centrally located in my closet over there. Uh, so I can pull media from any uh, into any room in the house, basically, or even onto my wireless devices. And the subwoofer is this crazy thing I got through the Amazon Vine program. This is a Klipsch, it's a 12 inch subwoofer, and it has a wireless connection uh, back to the receiver over here. In fact, I don't need this cable running here anymore. I can get rid of that cable. I never got, got around to getting rid of that. Um, so this thing is actually overkill for the space. It, it rattles the, uh, the ceiling tiles up here pretty uh, decently, but it certainly provides a good amount of kick. And then my uh, wife, when she's upstairs, uh, complains about it too. So I got to probably tone down the uh, subwoofer here. But this was really designed just to be kind of a, uh, you know, like a, just a test space for uh, when I'm bringing things in for a review, like uh, home theater PCs and that kind of thing. So uh, that is the studio system, pretty low end, but it does the job in this very small space that it's in. So the secondary space is very small, so I didn't really need to go with anything all that crazy or expensive. I kind of spent the bare minimum on everything, but uh, for the purposes of testing home theater gear or doing a live stream over there or something like that, I think we've got a pretty good test environment that won't disturb my family if I need to do something in the middle of the day when they're all uh, hanging around the house. So it works great for what I've got down here, and I'm quite happy with how that turned out. And Andre V wrote in wondering if there were any more LG picture setting videos. And I'm assuming he was talking about the demo videos that were running during my review of that television. And I found a great website that had a whole bunch of stuff for me to download, which is 4kmedia.org. 
Uh, they've collected all of the manufacturer sample reels for uh, different television features. So they've got stuff from Panasonic, Samsung, uh, as well as Sony and LG. And these are video files that those companies develop for their TVs, but they work across any brand because they all support the same standard. And you can get uh, some HDR videos on there in addition to some Dolby Vision stuff. So whatever you're looking for, uh, you could probably get it there. So if you want to show off your new TV to your friends, this is a great place to go. All the files are free to download and you can load them up on a flash drive and have at it. So good stuff, 4kmedia.org. Uh, YouTube also has a lot of great example footage too. If you search for 4K 60 frames per second or 4K HDR, you should be able to find some great stuff on YouTube as well. And Jiraj Hatina's got a great memory of Sony's original OLED TV from 10 years ago. And don't laugh, but this is what it looked like. And it was only 11 inches, but it was the only OLED TV on the market. It was almost like a uh, concept product, but they were actually selling these things for $2,500 with a 540p resolution. And I remember seeing it at my local tweeter store. That was a store that was in the northeast of the United States here that sold consumer electronics. And they had a uh, room of all the expensive stuff. And that TV was in there. And I went in and I was like, oh my gosh, this display is amazing. Too bad it's so small and especially so expensive for what you were getting at that point in time. But I think there was probably a market for this. People that had a lot of uh, disposable income that wanted to show off a really cool looking TV, uh, they could get that for 2,500 bucks. This is what it looked like from the side. These all came from Wikipedia's page. It was kind of a cool concept product that uh, didn't go anywhere, but now you can get a 65-inch television for around the same price with a 4K resolution. It just shows you if you wait long enough, uh, the technology you might lust after will suddenly become affordable. Uh, but again, you got to have some patience with it. And in our Q&A for you this week, I'm very curious about the gifts that you might have purchased for your uh, family and friends this holiday. So let me know down in the comments below. Remember, it's always about the giving and not the receiving. So I'd just love to know what uh, items you picked up for your family and friends for the holiday season here. You can let me know uh, down in the comments below and share your thoughts with other viewers. Now, our channel of the week this week is another one on the TV theme. And I found this underappreciated channel called HD TV test. And uh, this guy is a professional television installer and gets his hands on all the latest and greatest stuff. So uh, check it out if you want to get more of the nitty gritty technical details. You can see they just posted up a review of a 100 inch Sony TV, which is pretty cool. And he's got a bunch of other stuff too. And uh, there was one recent video that showed his warehouse where he's got boxes and boxes of TVs all over the place. Those boxes are enormous. I'm sure he's got a lot of space for all this stuff, but uh, really good stuff. And if you're interested in uh, all the latest HD TV technology, this is another one of those underappreciated channels that you might want to take a look at. So this week on the channel, hopefully we'll be getting these things done. I talked last week about this amplified device with the uh, little, little portable VPN unit to it. Uh, we didn't get to it last week. I hope to get to it in the coming week. So stay tuned for that. We're also going to do an update on the Norton Core router, and this is another sponsored video, but this is one that I've been looking to do for a while, and this provided a really good opportunity to do it. Uh, we're going to look at network isolation and a way that you can use uh, three routers to separate your IoT devices from the other things on your network and use the Norton Core as a means of keeping an eye on those 
IoT devices in their segmented uh, space in your network. So instead of using a you know, more expensive uh, device where you can set up VLANs and all this other stuff, we're going to do it physically uh, using three routers, including the Norton Core, and segment all these portions of the network away from each other just by plugging in wires to uh, keep everything separated yet sharing the same internet connection. Should be a fun little uh, experiment, and we'll be doing that hopefully a little later in the week. And I'm still hoping to get to my review, my retro review of the new Newton 120 that I've got up uh, on the wall behind me there. I didn't get to it uh, this past week, just given how crazy everything was. And I got sick for a day or two with a little bit of a cold thing where I was just out of energy. So hopefully we'll be uh, getting over to uh, that Newton message pad before the holiday week is over with. Now, if you want to help support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or one-time contribution to the channel like those folks at the beginning of the video did. We also have a great relationship ongoing with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, uh, we get a small commission. And if you want to gift a Plex Pass subscription to a friend of yours, you can do so at lon.tv slash Plex gift, and we'll also get a commission for that. I have a bunch of other channels to check out. We've got the Extras channel, where I post supplementary content and unboxings. We have my podcast, where I post audio versions of uh, this show and some other things that I do from time to time. The Snippets channel, where I've got search-friendly components of all the other longer videos that I do. And our live streams, which are archived at lon.tv slash live streams. If you want to get notified when I do something here on the channel, you can click the bell icon and uh, get notified through your favorite mobile device or an email. That's a great way to keep up with what I am doing. And you can also engage with the channel through my email list at lon.tv email. I very infrequently email you, so don't worry. You won't get deluged with all sorts of stuff. We have my Facebook page at lon.tv Facebook where you can connect with me and other viewers. And our store is at lon.tv store where I sell items that I purchased to review here on the channel and I'm now getting rid of. I will have the, uh, the uh, Amazon Alexa device up there very shortly. So if you're looking for a good deal on a gently used item that was just reviewed once, you can find it on there. And I send out an email alert every time I add something to the store at lon.tv slash store alert. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Again, a very Merry Christmas to all of you. And I greatly appreciate all of the support you have given me over the last year, especially given that we spent more than half of this year doing this as a full-time occupation right now. Uh, things are moving in a very good direction, and I greatly appreciate uh, everyone's comments, their contributions, and your viewership. So thank you all very, very much, and I'll be back again uh, next week with a lot more stuff, and stay tuned because we're heading to CES as well. This is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.